Welcome to episode number 55 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are continuing our series on finances. As a matter of fact, to be a little bit more specific, we're focusing on the area of prosperity. When I say the word prosperity, a lot of people get excited. A lot of people get confused. And some say, well, that's not for me. I guess I'm never going to be blessed financially. And others might say, that's my only goal in life is to prosper. So there's a lot of confusion when it comes to prosperity. There's evangelists who will tell you to send them a certain amount of money and you'll prosper financially because of it. There are then those who tell you that if you want to prosper, then take everything that you've got, sell it all, your house, your car, live out in the street someplace. And true prosperity comes only when you're financially broke. Well, I don't agree with that either. So somewhere between the last one I said and the first one I said lies the area we're going to talk about today. Today's episode is entitled, How to Make Prosperous Decisions. We're going to talk about decision-making and how to know that the decisions that we make are led of God, how we know if they're going to be good decisions. Wouldn't it be nice to look back on your life and think, okay, if I would have only done that, or if I would have made a decision to do that, have I stayed away from that and gotten more involved in that, then things would have been better. And we kind of question ourselves and check ourselves and wonder if we made a good decision or knowing that certain decisions we made were bad. So we're going to get into that in just a second, but I think we need to take just a second here and pray and ask for the Lord's guidance. Lord, we come to you. We need you, Father. We ask the Holy Spirit to intervene now on this teaching. I pray that you would bless those who are listening in and that you would bless me as I bring this teaching, Lord, to those that are out there that are trying to understand exactly, God, how they can prosper. And Lord, I just believe, Lord, there's going to be financial prosperity that will pass on to them. And I pray they'll be blessed. And Lord, that you will guide their steps, their directions, and the decisions they, they make, Father. Thank you for it, God. And guide us through this teaching today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first comment or point I'd like to make is to think about the decisions that we've made. It's interesting if you stop and think all the decisions that we have made in our finances since we started making decisions on our own. You add them all up. You just total them all up. The good decisions, the bad decisions, the smart decisions, the unwise decisions, all of those things. If you total them all up, it basically will bring you to date on where you stand financially today. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about past decisions. Now we can learn from it and grow from them. And you know, it's kind of in life, it's kind of exciting to know that when we make a decision, we can grow from it. When we make a decision that we did something bad, we can grow from it. We make a bad decision. We sometimes get hurt financially, but sometimes that saves us from making worse decisions in the future. So we're going to get into all that and talk about it. But before we get started any further, I want to read a scripture to you. And it's found in Psalm 37. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, Psalm 37, verse 3. We'll see how many verses we read here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Verse 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Verse 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. We're seeing something there pretty interesting and that is the word trust pops up. That God wants us to trust him. I'm going to talk about that a little more as we go along here but it's important that we establish that trust that God has a plan to bless us. When we read in the word of God that he wants us to give financially to support others and to support his word, his church and what is taking place through church 
churches throughout this world, it's important we understand that God does not want us to go broke. He's not interested in bankrupting us because he's asking us to give away all that we have. Absolutely, it's totally contrary to that. God wants to bless us. And when he asks us to give, when the word of God says to give, then it says, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So let's trust God first. Realize that when we put our plan in connection with God's word, then it must start with a trust in him and that he's got a great plan for our finances and for the decisions we're going to make in order to prosper. Let me ask you the question, how can we put our trust in God for our financial decisions? Well, I guess I'm glad that I asked that question because it's kind of the foundation of what I want to talk about today. Let me give you my first reason. Number one, God must be first in everything that we do, including our finances. He must be first in our decision making when it comes to finances, our health decisions, or who we choose to either date or marry, where we live, where we work, all of those things. Our Lord wants to be involved in that. So we need to be comfortable with seeking his wisdom and his guidance. There's a lot of way to find his guidance and wisdom. It's found in the word of God. It's found in counsel with other people. And we'll talk about that as we go through here. But if we don't put God first in everything, then you've not made him God of your life. You see, a lot of people have a problem. They want to manipulate God. They want to talk to God and say, God, well, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. Or Lord, I'll be sure and tithe at church as soon as I make a lot more money. Or conditions on how they want to make decisions in their finances to bless the work of the Lord. So we can't do that. We're not allowed to put conditions to God. God is not a God who operates under pressure. God is a God that has a plan. He's consistent. He doesn't change. His program never changes. His word never changes. And he proves throughout his word that he blesses his people. And all you got to do is just pick up the word of God and start reading from the book of Psalms or the book of Proverbs or get into the New Testament and start reading about the promises of God found in the book of Romans. Romans, where Paul teaches us how to live our life. And then all the epistles, the you know, Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, all those are wonderful scriptures that tell us how to live our life. And there's a lot of instruction there on how to deal with our family, with our finances and decision making. So that's important. Number one, put God first in every part of our life. Number two, in our budget, put giving at the very top. Now, I know some of you expected me to say that because I believe in giving. I'm a believer that we give to God because we want to support his work, but then we also give to God because it makes us better stewards of the finances that we have. So God has to be first on our budget line. If you're going to set up a budget, then put God right at the top as far as giving of your finances to him. When you do that, you'll be sure not to miss that. And we're basically saying, God, I trust you now for the decisions I'm going to make. And I'm putting my confidence in you and knowing that you've got a great plan in the way I make my financial decisions. Step number three, pray. Ask God for wisdom before you make a decision. You know, the Lord tells us in his word that if you just ask God for direction and wisdom, then he'll give you a generous supply. He also says that there's wisdom in counsel, seeking counsel from other people. The word of God tells us that he wants us to be wise and to have the knowledge that we need to have in order to make the right kind of decision. So we've got to understand that prayer must always be included before 
any decision that we make. And then after we make a decision, then we should pray again and ask God to direct the decision and bless the decision and guide the decision so that other people will receive it. There's something that I've always done when I'm facing a difficult challenge, a particular difficult challenge in business. When I had a home building company, I would sometimes have a person who wasn't pleased with what I was doing. We built a lot of homes, quite a few homes. And every once in a while, we would get maybe 2% of our people would be fussy and be difficult to deal with. So when that would happen, and maybe they wanted to have a meeting and they wanted to ask me a bunch of questions about this or that or the other things to sit down with me. Every time I had a meeting like that coming, my wife and I would pray. We would ask the Lord for guidance in the decisions that we needed to make. And then we'd also ask the Lord to give us favor. I'm a big believer in asking the Lord to bless us with favor in decisions that we make. And so we'd go to the meetings and every single time that we went to the meetings, when we had prayer and asked for direction from the Lord and guidance from the Lord, asked for favor and wisdom and understanding, it seemed like the meetings would always go very smooth, go quite well, and none of them ever turned into a major problem. So we thank God for that. And we know that prayer is obviously always the key to making right decisions. Here's step number four in our plan for making decisions that will prosper us financially. Number four is seek counsel from others. Well, before we go any further as to who you should seek counsel with, I've got to read Psalm 73, verse 24, New Living Translation. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. The Lord must always be the first one that we seek counsel from. We seek that through prayer, through God's word, and then we can seek counsel through others, individuals. It's vital that we have people we can talk to people that we have confidence and trust in, people that we can ask questions and know that they'll keep it confidential. We sometimes will ask a question to someone and we don't really know their character and they might start spreading that question around to other people. And you don't, you can't have that when you're trying to make good decisions, especially when it comes to your financial decisions, you don't want to counsel with someone who's not reliable and trustworthy. In my early days as a home builder, when we were buying property, land and subdividing it and developing it into residential lots to build homes, homes on, I needed help. There were many times when I needed help in making wise financial decisions. So during my banking days as a banker, before I went into building homes, I built up relationships with men who were successful businessmen in the area of real estate, the area that I wanted to go into. So when I stepped down from my banking career and went into our own real estate development company, I found it wonderful that I could call these people that I had built a relationship in when I was their banker. And now, quite frankly, I was their competitor because I was building the same product that they were, were building. And I was in a position where we were basically competing competing for the same customers. But we had such a great relationship that I was willing and comfortable to share with them and seek counsel from them. And there was one man, I'll just call him Bill, and Bill was probably the best counsel that I ever had. We would sit down over coffee or for lunch or something like that, and we would talk about business. And he had a very successful home building company, and mine was new, and I was young in the business, and I needed a lot of advice. I needed direction. I needed counsel. But we would get together. First of all, he was a Christian. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ because that's crucial. And I knew that he had my best interest in mind, that he wanted me to be successful. I knew he was going to be successful. And for some reason, he was hoping that I'd have the same success. So we would talk and visit and I'd give him questions about decisions I need to make. And he always gave me good, solid, consistent counsel. And so I thank the Lord for Bill. I thank you for the years that we knew each other when he was my customer at the bank. But then I'm thankful
thankful then for the years when we were competitors in the real estate business and we many times built homes in the same subdivision and yet we were friends and stayed friends and never got into any kind of difficulty or any odds because well we just knew that that was the best for both of us and we knew that we would both be blessed if we could use each other's counsel by the way he would then ask me questions about financing and and asking me for decisions on how to obtain financing for this project or that type of thing so we actually counseled each other we helped each other we encouraged each other even though we were competitors and the reason we could do that is we were believers and we wanted the best for each other I wanted him to win he wanted me to win so I was always confident in seeking advice from Bill I hope you'll find a friend or someone that you can meet with and talk to about helping you make the right decisions in your finances you don't have to have a business to do that you can just find someone can help you making the right decision in setting up a budget or how to set up a savings plan or work on retirement but find someone with wise counsel and spend time with them pray about your counseling issues with them and you watch and see that how God will bless you as you sought counsel for someone else especially someone who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ step number five in making good financial decisions so that you'll prosper you know I've enjoyed this talk today but this is one of my favorites when we talk about making a list. I'm a big believer in lists. I like to write down things. I like to keep my comments in order. I like to keep my thoughts in order. I like to organize my thoughts and be sure that I've got a good plan of attack. I think that's wisdom. I think that's wise. Not that I'm brilliant, but I just believe in doing that. I don't like to look at something and say, now, what did we agree on? And what was we, what were we supposed to do there? And what was that all about? I don't like that. And so I want to write things down as I go along. So we should always do that before we make financial decisions. So in my list making, especially when I was faced with a big decision, to make in the area of our finances, I always would take a piece of paper, just a good old eight and a half by 11 sheet of white paper, and I'd draw a line right down the middle of it lengthwise, and I would write at the top of the one, good, and on the other side, I'd say bad. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound very creative, but what I would do is on the good side, I would write all the reasons why this was going to be a good decision. Here's what would happen. Here's how I'd be blessed. For example, I would buy a piece of property, a lot. I was going to build a home on it, and I would write down there on the good side that I want to make a profit. The next thing I might say is the location is good or that the price is right or the financing is good or I would do my research in the area of what type of home to build and what price that I should build and I'd write something down like this is a good price category and that size of a home for that price will be a good seller because there's not a whole lot of people out there that are looking for this type of price and this type of size home so I didn't have a lot of competition. And that was the good side of it. The cost would be good. The location for my relationship to my business and my subcontractors I work with would be good. And I just go on and on and on. I might write as many as 20 or 30 reasons as to why this is a good decision. They're really the good parts of this decision. Then on the other hand, I would look at the bad side of it. And I would, on my list, I would write things like, well, maybe the market's not that good and maybe that price might be bad. The bad side might be that the, the lot backs up to a road or, the, the lot is in a place where the value of the homes are not as much as they need to be in order for me to make a profit on the house. Or I would write down that the financing is going to be hard to get or that the cost to build there are going to be greater because maybe it's a rocky area and it's hard to work on. And I would go on and on. I'd make my list and I would have sometimes 15 or 20 items on the bad list. So then I would take 
the list and say, here's the good and here's the bad. And I would evaluate them and I would say which one would kind of win out. And if it turned out that the good side had a lot more good points and a good reasons to do the deal, then I felt comfortable to proceed after prayer and after doing all the things I was supposed to do, that this is a good decision. I'm going to move direct there because the good would outweigh the bad. Now, I hate to say this, but I have to admit there were times when I had a list of the good and the bad, but I wanted to do this thing so bad. I wanted to make the decision that yes, I want to do this, that I would ignore a lot of the bad points. I would justify the bad. Now, that's really dangerous. In decision making, when you have a list of the good and you have a list of the bad, don't go back and start justifying the bad. I made a statement here a couple of podcasts ago where I said I used to be the kind of person that when I wanted to do something, I would just go into it like a bull in a china closet and I'd knock the door down to get the thing done. I would do whatever I had to do to get it done. But then I got a little wisdom, got closer to the Lord, and I realized that that's not the way God wants me to make good decisions. So I've, I've a couple of times, now not many times, but a couple of times, I allowed myself to negotiate the bad and make them sound, oh, well, they're not all that bad. Well, it's really not that a bad location. It's really not that big of a problem. And because I just wanted to do the deal. It wasn't that I was using wisdom. I just wanted to do the deal. And without fail, when I would do that type of a project, it was always a challenge. On, on one particular case, I had a house that I built and I couldn't sell it. And because I had violated the list of bad things about making that decision, and I didn't listen closely enough to the fact that the bad outweighed the good, and it took several years to sell the house and get out of it and liquidate. But the Lord still blessed us. We made a very tiny profit, but still it was a profit. So to wrap that up, item number five, make a list of the good and bad in your decisions. And then once you get them, evaluate one against the other, and then go with the one that seems to be the strongest and answers the questions about that decision that you're about to make. It might be whether you want to have a swimming pool in your backyard. You should make a list of the good. The good might be it's hot and you want to enjoy it. You want to relax. It's good for your kids. It's something you've always wanted to have in your in your life. The bad might be that it's expensive. It's expensive to maintain and will it get used all that much? And so you weigh those out and then make a decision. Pray about it. Seek God's direction. Get the peace. Remember, it's the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that we want in making decisions. So I think we're ready to move on to number six now. Step number six might seem a little silly to some because it's a very simple statement, but it's very powerful. And it goes like this. Don't repeat bad decisions. You know, when I talk people about their finances and I have them make a list of the good decisions they've made in their finances and the bad decisions, and I do that a lot in counseling. I'll sit down with them. Once again, get an eight and a half by 11 sheet of white paper, draw a line down the middle and have them write down all their good decisions they've made with their finances and then make a list of all the bad decisions decisions that they've made. And sometimes they might get six or eight or 10 or whatever might be good ones and six or eight or 10 of bad ones. And then I would tell them this, all right, this is the advice that you've probably been listening for. This is, this is powerful. So get ready, tune into this one. I'd tell them, continue to do the good decisions and don't do the bad ones again. Now, some of you probably thought, oh, that's not any good. That's kind of dumb. Well, it's not dumb. As a matter of fact, it's very wise to go back and remember the mistakes that we've made and learn from the mistakes. So in making decisions, don't continue to make bad decisions. Now, that's not just in finances. As a pastor for over 20 years, I can tell you that I've counseled a lot of people who fall back into their old bad decision mode. One example would be in marriage. There was a lady that I met in 
in our church, her and her husband, and after a few years, they decided they weren't going to be married any longer, and they divorced. And she came in and told me about all the things about him that she didn't like, and those were the things she would never want to see in another man. And so it was about a year later, and she came to me, and she said, oh, pastor, I'm so excited because I've met this man, and he is just wonderful. I think I want to marry him, and he's asked me to marry him, and so I think I'd like to do that. And so I asked him, I said, I asked her, I said, now, let me ask you a question. Have you thought about this person's character? And so she started talking about his character. And as she was going along, she started justifying the bad things. She said, well, he does drink a little more than I would like. And, and he does travel a lot more than I would like. And, you know, and he's a little messy. And I don't like messy people. I like people who are neat. And then she started, I mean, which she kind of went on and on with all the bad points. And I said, well, does the man have any good qualities? Oh, yes, he makes a lot of money. And he's very handsome and very attractive. And But he's only been divorced three times. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, do you see what you're doing? You're going back and justifying this person because you just want this person, because of his looks, because of his money, whatever it might be. But you see, that's what we do when we go back and make bad decisions all over again. By the time our conversation was over, I said, it seems to me that this man that you want to marry now is very much like the man that you divorced a few a year or so ago. And she said, you know, I kind of thought about that, but I, I thought, no, he'll be different. Well, odds are he won't be different. And there's a very good chance that the, the person that she was going to marry was the same kind of person that she had divorced. And I saw that over and over again with people who go back and repeat the same thing over and over again. And you know, the old saying goes like this. It's insanity when you do the same thing over and over and over again and you expect different results. That's truly insane because we've got to do things different. So if you are falling back into those old bad decisions or those old patterns of making decisions, then shake them off. Take a piece of paper right now. I encourage you to do that. Just turn this thing off or put it on hold or whatever you want to do with it, but take a piece of paper. Maybe when this, when I'm done with this podcast, it's only got a few minutes to go, then get a piece of paper and write down there financial decisions at the top and on the left side say good ones and bad ones and make the list. And let me just say this, do the good ones again. That's great, but avoid doing the bad ones again because you'll be blessed by it. So let's move on now to step number seven. Now, when I was a pastor, we were always told before we get up to do a message that we should only only have three points in a message that anything more than that is just isn't right. So just make sure that that you never have more than three points in any one message. Well, I'm going to violate that now because here's point number seven. I like number seven. Always be thankful to God for past decisions, whether they were good or whether they were bad. Now, let's talk about that a little bit more in detail. You want to thank God for even the bad decisions you made because you learned from them. And if we learn from past decisions that are bad, we're blessed. We'll be blessed even greater in our life. If we don't learn from bad past decisions, then we'll just repeat them and we'll regret them. But we need to be thankful for God for the challenges in our life. I'm thankful for the time that my wife and I went to church and our bank was giving us a very difficult time. They had purchased our loan from another bank that went broke, the one that had our loan. And this new bank that purchased our loan was giving me a terrible time and they were threatening to call our loan. They were threatening to require us to pay our loan off automatically. It's called called calling a loan, which simply means we're going to request or demand that you pay us everything that you owe right now. And the excuse they gave was that the economy wasn't very good and they were concerned about our income and our income was just fine. We had never missed any payments with them. We were just fine, but they just didn't like loans to churches. And they were planning to go out and call those people who had a church loan to pay off 
out their loan. Well, it was kind of a difficult time, but we went through it and thank God we won that battle. And not only did they not have any success in calling our loan, as a matter of fact, they appraised our property. And by appraising our property at a very low amount, they thought that would be good for them. But what really happened was when they did that appraisal at a low amount, the judge that we went to to stop this thing said, since the bank thought that the appraisal was low and was correct and that it was far more than what our loan was, he told them then we'll just go ahead and reduce the amount of the loan. So the judge forgave a tremendous amount of money in the debt we had on our church. And of course, the bank couldn't do anything about that because that was the judge's ruling. I believe that God stepped in and defended us and protected us. So it's important we understand that we learn from past decisions. So my experience there wasn't a lot of fun. It was very challenging and difficult. But boy, did we learn a lot from it. I learned about the character of our church, that they stood with us. I told them what was happening, and yet they stood firm with us. The giving in our church stayed strong, and we were blessed. Attendance stayed strong. And as we went through this challenge that our church was facing, God came through for us, and we grew from it. The church became closer, and we learned from our challenges that God would never leave us nor forsake us. You can think about that in your own life. When you look back on a challenge that you've had, you're still around today. Maybe you were had a divorce or maybe had a very difficult time in a business or lost a business or whatever, but you can go back to those things and say, Lord, what is it that I learned from that that I just don't want to see happen again? And I'm thankful for that. So I'm thankful that God allowed us to go through that challenge because at the end, he had a blessing for us. And so we should always be thankful to God for past decisions, whether they're good or whether they're bad, because he should receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, regardless of what we face in life. Our God wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. He wants us to do well. So in a quick recap, let me just point out a couple things I think that are important in this episode today. We need to put God first in our finances. We need to have a budget and put God first in the giving of our finances. We need to pray and ask God for wisdom and ask for favor. We need to seek counsel from others to get help. We need to be sure and make a list of the good and bad decisions that we've made in the past and don't repeat the bad decisions. And we must always be thankful to God for our experiences that we've had in the good ones and the bad ones because he is always there. He's always a very present help in times of trials and troubles. So that wraps up this session. Let me give you a few comments about what I'm going to talk about in my next podcast. The title of it will be Prosperity and Financial Success. Is a lack of financial success a lack of prosperity is what I'm going to be talking about. And I believe God's going to bless it. I hope you're excited about it because I'm excited about bringing it to you. And Father, I pray now you would bless those that are listening and help me to get ready to prepare a new teaching coming up, Father, in our next episode. I ask this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, if you're interested in learning more about finances and other areas, I am fortunate to be have been blessed of the Lord to write a number of books on dealing with finances, dealing with faith, dealing with generosity and some other topics. So if you're interested in any of that, you can go to my webpage. It's found at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you want to pull, turn to that, you can. there's a link there to show you the books that I've written, and I believe that you might be interested in some of those. In addition to that, there's also another link there for you to sign up to my monthly newsletter that I'm now putting out. In addition to
to that, there's an ebook that's free available to you if you would want to click onto that link. So a lot of actions taking place there. I hope that you'll be blessed by it and I pray that you will be prosperous in all things. I thank you for that. You can also subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I pray now that you will take this teaching today and take it to heart. Some of the areas may seem a little bit light. Maybe when I talk about the bad things you did, don't repeat them, don't do them again. There's a lot of power and a lot of truth. And quite frankly, there's a lot of wisdom in that if we learn from our past errors and past mistakes. So I just pray that you'll do that and that you'll be blessed in it. I also pray that as you listen to the podcast that we have right now, you can go back and look at the other 54 podcasts that we've made. And almost all of them have been on finance. I'm focusing an awful lot of information now on finances. In the upcoming weeks and months to come, I'll be changing my teaching somewhat because the title of this podcast is Quality Christian Living. Now, quality Christian living simply means to live an abundant life, to live a quality life, to be a Christian, but but have high quality. It's one thing to just get up in the morning and go to work and eat your lunch and come home and have dinner and go to bed. Next day, go to work, eat your lunch, eat your dinner, go to bed. That is not the type of life that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a quality Christian life, an abundant life. We're more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors because of our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I pray that when you listen to these lessons, they're fine on finances, and I'll continue to talk about it for a number of weeks yet, but it's important for us to realize there's other areas of our life we need to address. I'm going to talk about how to have faith for healing. I've been healed of three diseases that were terminal. The one recently was, and I was diagnosed with incurable multibiloma bone marrow cancer. The doc told me I had maybe three, six months, probably six months to live. And that was five and a half years ago. God's healed me and blessed me. And so we're going to talk about miracles. We're going to talk about what generosity is all about. And I have a book on my webpage that's entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. I think that'll bless you. So I'm going to move on now and pray that God will bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So until next time, I pray that God will richly bless you. Bless you.